0: Good morning, everybody. It's so great to see you here, that we're gathered together to praise and worship our God. As people are still coming in, let's stand together and begin our worship together. Here we go. Wrong song. Here we go. We sing of his love this morning. What is this love that won't relay? That's calling out with heaven's breath Who's reaching wide to save our souls Only you What is this grace? What is this grace that makes no sense That we can never recompense Who gives us all a second chance Only you, only you, only you. There is no one like our God. Declare it this
1: morning. There There is.
0: the stars upon the night and show the sun how bright to shine who shaped the world within their hands
2: Good morning, everybody. So good to be with all of you this morning. If you don't know me, my name is Tyler, and I have the pleasure of being on staff here at San Diego First Church of the Nazarene. And like I said, I am so excited to be with all of you this morning and uh, ready to uh, worship. Our mission here at San Diego First Church is so simple that it's written in glowing letters behind me. It is to lift up Christ. And I hope that we're able to do that through our worship this morning, but also as we continue through the coming days and weeks. Quick heads up for those of you in the audience that are on the younger side if you're in sixth through 12th grade, today is our first Sunday with our new youth pastor, uh, Alexi Mercado, uh, running some programming for us. And I know you guys already had the chance to hang out with her a little bit during the nine o'clock hour, but we also have a special surprise that if you like aren't really vibing with the service in here, you're totally going to be able to go and hang out with Lexi in the youth room. Uh, be listening for the dismissal when we send our kids off to children's church, you're going to be able to head with Lexi over to the youth room and do a youth Bible study this morning as well. So you have the choice, 6th through 12th graders, if you want to hang out in here, that's totally cool. You're welcome in the service as always. But also if you want to go and join the youth Bible study with Lexi in the youth room, be listening for that announcement, and uh, we'll dismiss you over there after our worship this morning. Uh, With that, I'm going to invite up Diane for the reading of our call to worship this morning.
3: This is Psalms 20. I exalt you, Lord, for you lifted me out of the depths and did not let my enemies gloat over me. Lord, my God, I called, you, called to you for help, and you healed me. You, Lord, brought me up from the realm of the dead. You spared me from going down to the pit. Sing the praises of the Lord. You, his faithful people, praise his holy name. For his anger lasts only a moment, but his favor lasts a lifetime. Weeping may, last, may stay for the night, but rejoicing comes in the morning. When I felt secure, I said, I will never be shaken. Lord, when you favored me, you made my royal mountain stand firm. But when you hid your face, I was dismayed. To you, Lord, I called. To the Lord, I cried for mercy. What is gained if I am silenced, if I go down to the pit? Will the dust praise you? Will it proclaim your faithfulness? Hear, Lord, and be merciful to me. Lord, be my help. You turned my wailing into dancing remove my sackcloth and clothe me with joy that my heart may sing your praises and not be silent lord my god i will praise you forever the word of the lord
0: take a moment this morning to be still sit in the presence of god know that your breath is being sustained through the grace and mercy by grace that you have been saved and that grace is a gift from God take a moment this morning to remember the ways in which God's grace has been following you has been before you and the people that you love the most Think of the grace that God has poured into your life When you feel as if you are in the pits In the deepest parts of your anguish Think of the ways that God has healed you Restored you and redeemed you From those spaces From those moments when we cry out to God from the moments that we feel as if there is no hope. Know that Jesus has given us hope this day, that there is healing and redemption. Jesus' fullness, we have all received grace upon grace. Would you stand this morning in confidence and in thankfulness in your hearts for the grace that God has lavished upon your lives? Oh, you're faithful to us, Lord. We sing for us that you're perfect oh, we seen when we were lost ones when we were lost ones you were the shepherd that carried us home when we were prodigals you ran to meet us with open arms We pay the price for all our sin,
1: and we can't hold back our praise, come on now, this is the sound of
0: adoration, oh how we love you, Jesus, we love you, you are the joy of all death and i was lost now i'm found your grace changes everything and by the cross i am free your grace changes everything Oh, how we love you, Jesus. We love you, you are the joy of all
1: creation. Oh, how we love you, Jesus. We love you, and this is the sound.
0: we come before you with thankful hearts for the ways in which your faithfulness has been constant in our lives. Through the seasons and the trials and the deep pits of anguish, Lord, you have been with us. Help us to be reminded of the ways in which you seek to redeem us and heal us and restore us, Lord. We put our faith in you this morning. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. And on Christ's solid rock I stand, all other ground is sinking sand. On Christ's solid rock I stand, all other ground is sinking sand. All other ground is sinking sand. Sing that with confidence this morning. On Christ's solid rock I stand. All other ground is sinking sand. On Christ's solid rock I stand. All other ground is sinking sand. All other ground
1: is sinking.
0: The Lord, you call us to you.
4: It is so sweet to trust in Jesus just to take.
5: Good morning. Ooh, I got a little bit of a responsive. Good morning. Um, My name is Jordan, and I direct children's ministries here at First Church. Um, If you have not done so already, uh, please check out the QR code. It has a fun little dinosaur on it. Um, It is on your bulletin and on the screen so go ahead and check in if you have any prayer requests please list those we'd love to pray for you as a staff Um, so don't hesitate to put that on um, that check-in form Uh, first up uh, pastor matt is continuing this this week with um, the bible for everyone for um, adult you so if you are new to the bible or if you are a bible scholar Please feel free to come to this class. Um, I think it will be a good time if you're needing community or just want to check it out. That is on Wednesday from 6.30 to 8. Um, In addition to that, it is May 1st. It's the 1st of May. We're in May. It's crazy. but the Church of the Nazarene in the U.S. and Canada is doing a campaign. Um, It is a mouthful. It is the half million mobilization, praying our way to Pentecost. Um, So you can no longer get this fun little prayer journal in physical form, but you can follow online. It's pretty crazy. Um, So if you, in your bulletin, um, the website is listed, but just go to our website. It's under Who We Are and Resources, so you can check it out there. And it starts today, so check that out. Um, okay, I saved my favorite announcement for last. VVS is coming. It's July 18th through the 22nd in the afternoon, um, and... I can hardly wait. Um, so I need a little—I need a little participation from the room. If you were a volunteer this last year, just raise your hand. Where, right where you are, nice and high. If look around, we've got several of you. Thank you, thank you. Oh, and on stage as well. Okay, if you hands down, if you have ever volunteered with VBS, raise your hand. Okay, a few more. I like it. Okay. Um, Now, everyone just raise your hand. Everyone raise your hand. This is how you participate. This is awesome. Thank you for volunteering. I'm so happy that you're going to be with us this summer. Um, In all seriousness, we need everybody. Whether you think, well, I I don't want to I don't want to hang out with the kids. I don't think I have enough energy. Great. Registration. That's where we can have you. I would love it. It's not as long of a commitment. You can just be there every day, get them registered. Then you can leave. It's perfect. Um, if you are like, I know a thing or two about basketball, awesome. Because I know where to put you, okay? Um, so it, we um, have an opportunity. This is the biggest outreach event we do as a church. It's 240 plus kids filling this room, um, filling this campus. And we put that on, not just children's, but our church. And we need everybody's participation because their families will be here, the kids will be here, grandparents will come for the final day and the party. And we want our people representing this place. So um, if that is something that you would like to participate with us and do, we have an action step for you. Rihanna, right here, she'll hold up our little sign-in sheet. Um, not right now, but after service, we would love for you to head over to the children's building. She will be right out front and can kind of help you decide where you might fit best. Um, if you forget, no worries. Just go back to that check-in form, the dyno code on your bulletin, and just put, I'm interested in VBS, can somebody contact me? That works too. Um, We we need you, and we're so excited for this summer and what that will bring, Um, and we're excited for you to be a part of it. So um, I have the lovely opportunity and gift to pray our kids out to service, and today, for the first time, our teens as well. So, um, I would love for you guys to pray with me. This is my prayer for you, our children, that your love may abound more and more in knowledge and depth of insight, so that you may be able to discern what is best. May you be filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ, to the glory and praise of God. Amen.
0: reflect on your faithfulness, Lord.
4: At the right time When I least expected
1: stay the same. same
0: tradition that we put on pause for a bit because of covid reasons and this is going to be now where we do passing of the peace and so still as and for many of you that maybe don't know what pass the peace is um it's just a time to be able to go to other members of our congregation that you may know or may not know and say, may the peace of Christ be with you. And in response, you can say, and also with you. Or it's that one time you finally saw your friend over on the other side, and you get to just catch up for a little bit, and maybe tell them what's up for lunch today. And so it could be any of those things, but this is a time where we'll be passing the peace of Christ to each other, and we would ask that you would still be considerate of others as you do so. Thanks so much, everyone. You may pass the peace of Christ.
6: so glad we could be together to share a little bit, pass the peace of Christ, see see each other across the room. This is one of those things also that if you're like, oh, I didn't catch your name, and you're like, I don't have a name tag, you don't have a name tag, we're not complete strangers. This is a time where you can have a group trip to the back, grab some name tags, we're bringing back the name tags, write your name on it so we know who you are. One of the things that we are doing so that you know who we are is we're just inviting some of our congregates up to uh, share a little bit about themselves. So this morning, mor- uh, this morning, Melva Morrison, there we go, all the M's, is going to come up and share with us a little bit about, about herself. Melva, I'm so glad you're here and willing to uh, hang out with me for just a minute.
7: Well, I don't know about willing, but... Um... <laughs>
6: It was not that course. So. <laughs> Melva, tell us a little bit about yourself, uh, your family, what you do, uh, what what encompasses your life.
7: Uh, family and the Lord and music—that about sums it up. <laughs> Wonderful. <laughs> I'm my husband Rick and our two children, Wesley and Deanna, and I've had a life full of music. Um, since the very beginning,
6: yeah, certainly you're up here. You're doing postludes and preludes. You sing in the choir. How else do you uh, part- practice music in in your life?
7: Oh well, over you know here this place, Point Loma, um, I get to work in the music department. Oh, awesome! As adjunct, and Wonderful. play play the piano for a lot of people and teach kids about music and it's very rewarding.
6: That's awesome. How did you and Rick uh, initially come to be at San Diego First Church?
7: Well it was a long time ago.
6: Tell us a little bit about it. (laughs)
7: 1975. (laughs) We were members of the initial Point Loma Community Church of the Nazarene back in the day, back in the back in the day. And um, then we moved around, went to Kansas City, and lived in Ontario, um, California, for quite some time. And when we retired, we came down here to be with family and help take care of mom and dad and all that stuff. And this is where Beryl went. Yeah. This is where Lisa goes. This is where my parents went. Mm-hmm. And, and we are privileged to be back. It feels like coming full circle. That's awesome.
6: Love that. Uh, Tell us a little bit about uh, your spiritual journey as of recently. Is there something going on that is challenging you or encouraging you in your walk with the Lord?
7: Hmm. Well, the choir will laugh behind me because I always start my devotions with, well, I've been thinking. (laughs) It takes a long time to think. But I've been thinking how the connection with people who are brothers and sisters in Christ, is really important. And mm. I know that's, that's not unusual for anybody to think, but it really is important. Mm. And having moved from a place where we were for 36 years, and it feels like kind of starting over, mm. and I'm really, I'm kind of a shy person, in spite of the fact that I Play the piano and direct choirs, and uh, so it just felt a little bit like, "Mm, I don't know where my place is. I don't. What if I don't know anybody there? And and this church has been so welcoming and just wonderful. So that's one of the things I've learned, and I have a lot to learn. Uh, But another thing I've been learning recently is that. Friday may be here but joy comes in the morning mm. Sunday's coming
6: yeah Sunday's coming
7: Ooh, but sometimes from Friday to Sunday is a very long time mm. sometimes it just takes a while for that joy to come yeah. I don't know why I'm crying but I always cry when I talk just accept it
6: yes <laughs> as we should <laughs> love that and
7: it's, it's, it's a treasure uh, to know that that happens because life is not always easy. Did you know that too? I'm learning that. Life yeah. is not always easy. Yeah. Yeah. And, and God is with us all the way. Yes. I believe that.
6: Melva, thank you so much for your words and, and your tears. It's such a blessing. Give it up for Melva. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you. At this time, I'd like to invite Delaney Sanders up to give our scripture reading for this
8: morning. Good morning. Thank you, Melva, for being so vulnerable. Um, the scripture comes from John 21, 15 through 19. When they had finished eating, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? He said, Lord, you know all things, you know that I love you. Jesus said, feed my sheep. Very truly I tell you, when you were younger, you dressed yourself and went where you wanted. But when you are old, you will stretch out your hands and someone else will dress you and lead you where you do not want to go. Jesus said, to indicate the kind of death by which Peter would glorify God, Then he said to him, follow me, the word of the Lord.
9: you musicians and all who have led us in worship scripture readers what a privilege it is to worship the lord together something we don't want to take for granted and coming out of pandemic i don't think we're in any danger of taking it for granted what a privilege to be together as we celebrate the lord and lift him up this morning just to reiterate a little bit about the prayer journal that jordan mentioned in the announcements we have this opportunity to join with millions of Christians in the Church of the Nazarene around the world for this month leading us to Pentecost. To join together in prayer, now Pastor D and K begin the third week of their sabbatical uh, today, and we want to be not just protecting them. We, had, we gave you that speech last week, and we'll repeat it a few times. We're to leave Pastor D alone during this time. We are not to call him. We're not to text him. We're not to email him, but we are to pray for him. And that's where the Prayer Journal will help us. It looks uh, this morning... In the the initial uh, journal entry is to pray about God's protection, His direction, and His revelation for us as His people. And we want to pray daily for Pastor D and K during this time that God would truly refresh them and bring them back to us uh, with that sense of, of dedication to His kingdom that He has always displayed uh, to us. So, pledge with me that we will pray daily uh, for Pastor D. Wonderful time to set up the scripture we're looking at this morning. Uh, Pastor Matt in Morning Tide talked about uh, Saul and the things he had to unlearn when he came from his failure into his confrontation uh, with Jesus. The the theme of restoration in the music that we shared this morning that leads us to what I want us to share from John chapter 21 this morning. Something that has... uh, impacted me from scripture is the way that jesus in these resurrection appearances that we've been looking at these last three sundays fashions them so carefully for each individual and it speaks to us that god fashions the word individually for us uh, as well uh, we saw on easter sunday when d shared with us about cleopas and his companion and the discouragement that they had They felt we had hoped that he was the one and how downtrodden they were. And Jesus comes and from the beginning walks them through scripture and shows how Messiah had to come and die and be raised again and gives them that new hope. So when their eyes are finally opened, when he breaks the bread at the table and then vanishes from their sight, they said, didn't our hearts burn within us when he spoke to us on the road? To recognize that that was established, a a situation that was just perfect for them. We looked last week about how Jesus met Mary when she first mistook him for the gardener there in the tomb, near the tomb, until he speaks her name, just what Mary needed to hear, that personal confrontation of the joy that is hers in Jesus Christ. How Jesus set up the upper room situation, not only the first time for all the disciples, but a week later specifically for Thomas, who for some reason was not with them the first time he appeared to them. But sets it up for Thomas and says, now, Thomas, here, go ahead, touch my side, see the wounds that I have, believe, and stop doubting. And Thomas, to his credit, says, my Lord and my God. And Jesus says, stop doubting and believe. You have believed because you've seen. And then he brings us into the situation. Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. Well, chapter 21 is orchestrated for Peter. Everything that we see that happens from the miraculous catch of fish to the cooking of that fish by the fire for breakfast, Jesus calling Peter down the beach, it's all set up for Peter. Now, Peter has kind of faded from the story from the time of his denial. You know, we do see him running to the tomb with John, but he just kind of goes back home. He's there in the upper room twice when Jesus appears, and Peter, who usually runs to the front and has the first thing to say, has not said a thing. But Jesus sets this up specifically uh, for Peter. Throughout the New Testament account, we followed Peter with his brother Andrew and their fishing partners, James and John. And at Jesus' call to him in Luke chapter five, he said, you are Simon, but you will be called Peter. It's just the word for rock. I will build you into this rock upon which I will build my church. And so Jesus begins to form him. Peter often reverts back. And Jesus doesn't always call him Peter. Often he calls him Simon, as if to remind him how far he still has to go in this rock forming process. He is painfully human. And in my humanity and my failure, I relate to Peter. And we've seen his ups and downs throughout the scriptural account. In Matthew chapter 14, just after the feeding of the 5,000, Jesus goes off to pray. The disciples head off across the Sea of Galilee, but they are struggling because a storm comes up on the Sea of Galilee, and they've been battling against it all night. It says Jesus walks to them, the fourth watch of the night, sometime between three and six in the morning after they've been struggling in the midst of this storm. They first think it's a ghost, and finally Jesus said, his eye. Peter says, if it's really you, tell me to come to you. And Jesus says, come. <laughs> you know what Peter does? It's amazing, really. He's lived on the Sea of Galilee all his life. He knows what happens if you jump off a boat in the middle of the Sea of Galilee. But he gets out of the boat because Jesus said, come. And he begins walking on the water to Christ until he realizes when he sees the wind around him and the storm raging that, wait a minute, I can't do this, and he begins to sink and cries out again to his credit, save me, and Jesus reaches out and takes him and walks him back to the boat and says, why did you doubt? we begin to piece together some of the situations of Peter's life. In chapter 16, Jesus says, who do people say that I am? And the disciples give the various answers that the crowd has been coming up with. And then he says, who do you say that I am? As Peter often does, he speaks as the spokesman for the disciples and says, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. And Jesus says to him, blessed are you, Simon, Because you haven't come to this on your own. My Father in heaven has revealed this to you and gives him this wonderful reassurance. And then it says, from that time on, Jesus began to explain to his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things at the hand of the elders, the chief priests, the teachers of the law, and he must be killed and on the third day be raised to life. Now completely ignoring the raised to life part, Peter hears the I must be killed part and says, never, Lord, this must never happen to you. And so in the previous paragraph, Jesus had called him blessed because the Father had revealed this truth to him. In this paragraph, he says, get behind me, Satan, for you don't have the things of God but the things of man in mind. So he goes from being blessed to be called Satan, all on one page. You turn to the next page and he gets in trouble again. It's not enough to anger the son so that Jesus calls him Satan because he's trying to divert him from his purpose. But now they're on the Mount of Transfiguration, Peter, James, and John. And with Jesus, there is Moses and Elijah. And Peter, when nothing is being said, he figures something should be said. So he said, Lord, it's good for us to be here. Let me you know, build a little shelter for you and Moses and Elijah. As if to make them equal. And then God speaks from heaven (laughs) This is my son who I love. Listen to him. And it is so strong and powerful that they all fall on their faces until when they lift their eyes again, it's only Jesus there. Peter goes through these ups and downs. And isn't that like our journey? Two steps forward, one step back. One step forward, two steps back. That's the way Peter's humanity is as he begins to be formed into what Jesus wants him to be. We read the story of the foot washing in Matthew's Gospel and Luke's Gospel. John speaks about it in chapter 13. And as Jesus makes his way around to wash the disciples' feet, a task that they would usually have done for each other, but this day they were a little upset with each other. (laughs) All in silence until he comes to Peter. And Peter says, no way, there's no way you will wash my feet. Jesus said, unless I wash you, you have no part in me. And then he teaches them, I have done this for you, you should do it for each other. This life of service, Jesus will never separate our life of restoration from our life of service. He calls upon us to serve. But we come today to Peter's denial. He says in Matthew 26, if all these others fall away, I will not. Peter was used to relying upon himself. He had this formula that you know, my willingness and really strong effort equals the holy life. He's going to have to unlearn that lesson, as Matt taught us in Morningside this morning about unlearning certain behaviors that we've had in the midst of God's lessons. He said, you will deny me three times. He says, no way will I deny you. Then they move on to the scene of the arrest. Peter grabs a sword and starts swinging wildly when they try to take Jesus Jesus reminds him that that's not the way of his kingdom. There's never a lower point for Peter in all the ups and downs of this formation process that Jesus is leading him through when he is at a lower point than that denial. And the thing that strikes me, much like what we looked at in morning time where S- Saul, when he's still Saul, is a terrorist in the church. And he tells that story on himself over and over and over again in the book of Acts and in his letters where he says, this is how sinful I was. He calls himself the chief of sinners, and yet God loves me. Peter is the only source for this story. He didn't have to tell anybody about it. But you recall that Peter is the one that kind of takes young John Mark under his wing after the failure in the book of Acts with Paul and Barnabas. and He's kind of the source for a lot of the things that Mark puts in the gospel, the first gospel written, and he tells this story in detail. Matthew and Luke pick it up. They tell the story as well. John tells the story as we lead into the chapter we're looking at today. Peter is the source of this story. This is the horrible thing I did, even though I swore I would die with him. I denied him three times. It was not under a lot of pressure. This was a little slave girl who asked me around a fire. And I denied him. From that lowest point in Peter's journey, we come to what we want to look at today. At the start of chapter 21, Jesus sets the scene for Peter specifically as we recognize They're out fishing, and this is at at Peter's instigation. Peter wants something familiar. He says, and there were 600 apostles with him at the time, I'm going fishing. They said, we'll go with you. And so they're out, they fish all night on the Sea of Galilee. All night, the best time to catch fish on the Sea of Galilee. As fishermen, they know the best time to go. They have caught nothing. And then Jesus appears on the beach and says, cast your nets again. And when they cast the nets another time, so full of fish they can't even pull it into the boat. And John recognizes that it's Jesus and says, it's the Lord. And we have a sign that Peter is finally ready for this confrontation, no more hanging back. Peter is not even willing to wait until they row the boat and haul the fish into shore. He wraps his garment around him again for he had taken it off and swims the 100 yards to shore to encounter Jesus. And there finds Jesus on the beach, coal fire already burning, cooking fish and bread. For their breakfast. I want us to think about the two things that Jesus is orchestrating here for Peter. First of all, the miraculous catch of fish is reminiscent of Luke chapter 5 when Jesus called Peter to be a disciple. Miraculous catch of fish. It happens another time here. It reminds Peter immediately of his calling that Jesus called him to be fishers of men that he called him away from his boat, and he was compelled to follow. And now he's failed. And the other way Jesus brings Peter into the situation is with this coal fire. Of the hundreds of references to fire in all of Scripture, there's only two references to a coal fire. One where Peter warms his hands at the house of Caiaphas, the high priest, before he denies the Lord three times. And once when Jesus prepares it on the beach, and asked Peter to come and join him for breakfast. Those who study memory say the sense of smell is more tied to memory than any other of our senses. And immediately when Peter smells that coal fire burning, it takes him back those few days to his denial, that which he knows he has to deal with. So he's reminded of his calling and his failure, just in the way Jesus has set this up. He has indicated to Christ now that he is anxious for a confrontation with him as he swims to the shore. And after they have breakfast together, Jesus calls him aside and shares the verses that Delaney read for us. He calls him aside to restore Peter. He asks him three times, do you love me, as if, to compensate for the three denials that he so boldly spoke and even cursed in the courtyard. Three times he says, do you love me? Three times Peter says, you know I love you. But the way Jesus asked it really confronts Peter where he is. Because the first two times Jesus asked the question, he uses the word agape, this unconditional love, the love that Jesus has demonstrated to them. He says, do you love me with agape love? And to Peter's credit, he's not willing to boldly say, oh, sure, you know that I love you completely, unconditionally. He just failed. And he's afraid of continued failure. So he answers in the friendship form. He says, phileo, he says, you know I'm your friend. And Jesus says, feed my sheep. He asks him again, do you love me with this agape love? And again, Peter hangs back and says, You know, I'm your friend. And the third time, Jesus meets Peter just at the point where he is willing to come. He says, are you even my friend? And it hurts Peter that he says a third time, "Are are you my friend? Do you love me? He says, you know all things, Lord. You know that I love you. You know I am your friend. Feed my sheep. Jesus is bringing him to this new view of himself. At the calling, he said, you'll be a fisher of men. Now at this reinstatement, at this restoration, he says, become a shepherd. As I have shepherded you, as you have seen me leading these ones to me, feed my sheep, tend to my lambs, care for them. And Jesus will never separate our restoration from our service. We are to care for those around us. There's another phrase in the scripture that Delaney read for us. Do you love me more than these? Anytime something is left intentionally vague in scripture, it means there's just more than one meaning. We don't know what Jesus was pointing to or referring to at that point. So let's just consider the things it could have been. He could have been looking at the boats and the nets. Do you love me more than these, your your occupation, your former occupation, the thing you used to do? Do you love me more than that from which you have gotten your identity? Peter had just told him, I, I got to get back fishing. <laughs> Let's go fishing. Do you love me more than that? He, he gets a hold of me. Do you love me more than your occupation of being a pastor? Do you love me? Do we love him more than the other things from which we gather our identity? He may have been pointing to the other disciples. We're not told if Andrew was one of the six that was there. It could have been his blood brother there. Certainly James and John were there. Do you love me more than you love them? Do you love Jesus more than you love those who are closest to you? Do I love Jesus more than I love Luann, more than I love our kids, more than I love our grandkids? Do I love Jesus more than I love anyone on this earth? Or the third twist could have been, do you love me more than they love me? And I think we we all have to get there. We all have to come to the point where we say nobody could possibly love Jesus more than I love Jesus. If you only knew what he's forgiven me of. If you only knew what he means to me. This sense that Jesus is everything. Because if Jesus is not everything, something less will be everything. Something will take that place in our lives. We must recognize that he is the one we are called to love. And in the midst of our failure, he will restore us and show us the future. Because essentially, the chapter is about Peter's restoration, but it's about us as well. Just like the upper room with Thomas was about Thomas and his doubting and his awareness of Jesus as Lord. He said, Blessed are those who haven't seen like us and yet have believed. And so now we come to this sense that this is about our failure and our restoration. And I have marked down four things for us that we must realize, steps we must take in this step from failure to restoration, just as Peter had done. The first is to realize that even though we fail, God's love never fails. We will continue to fail. Peter was afraid of continued failure, but he's trusting God to lead him and forgive him. You see, Peter had based his relationship with Jesus on his adequacy. You see it in every phrase that we looked at. You won't wash my feet. You must not die. I will not fall away. I will die for you no matter what. Denying his need for Jesus to die for him. We need Christ to die. We must acknowledge our sinfulness. We must realize that the cross was necessary for me. Not just for all those other sinners out there, but for me. We come to grips with this reality that it's not our adequacy. He wanted a relationship with Jesus that was based upon what he did for Jesus, not what Jesus did for him. And church, we are always in danger of falling into that kind of relationship. Wanting to somehow earn our salvation. Look what we're doing for Jesus instead of saying, if Jesus had not done this for me, I would be eternally lost. We begin to recognize this incredible gift that is ours. If adequacy is the only basis for being loved, then what do I do when I am inadequate? Where do I go if that's where I have based my faith? And so we have to come to grips with the fact that nothing I do will make God stop loving me. Nothing I do will make him love me more. Nothing I can do will make him love me less. He loves me, and I accept that love. That's the first step for us. The second step is this, that God wants to show us our value beyond our failure. Peter was hesitant. He he almost didn't dare to love again, to express that love again, to express his willingness to love again for fear of continued failure. But... (laughs) Jesus wants to move him from a false adequacy to intimacy. Not what I am doing for you, Jesus, but do I know you, Jesus? To long for that relationship that God wants for us. All through scripture, seek my face, seek my face, know me. We want to know our Lord intimately. And God and me are a perfect match. God is love and I need love. (laughs) He is all we need, and he's created us to receive that love from him. John Newton said, I am a great sinner, and he is a great savior. That's all I need to know. And so we are matched to this love of God, and he longs to lavish that love upon us. Well, step three, once we allow that intimacy we painfully then see our need for forgiveness and restoration. Now, after Pentecost, Peter begins to, to live this out. He is filled with the power of the Spirit, and we will pray our way to Pentecost and then ha- celebrate this with Peter on, the, uh, on that wonderful day of the birthday of the church when he's able to preach and share the message of Jesus Christ alive. He restores John Mark. He is open to share the gospel with the Gentiles and when he gets this vision which is abhorrent to him as a Jew that if God says it's clean, he's not to say it's unclean. He goes to Cornelius' house and shares with the Gentiles. He is open now to this saving grace of God. Listen to what Peter writes in First Peter uh, chapter one. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In his great mercy, he has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, and into an inheritance that can never perish or spoil or fade, kept in heaven for you. For through faith we are shielded by God's power until the coming of salvation that is already being revealed at the last time. In this you greatly rejoice, though now for a little while you may have had to suffer grief in all kinds of trials. He's just echoing what his experience is. These have come so that your faith of greater worth than gold, which perishes even though refined by fire, may be proved genuine and may result in praise and glory and honor when Jesus Christ is revealed. The goal of your faith, the salvation of your souls, he has learned it and he shares it as he writes. The fourth step after forgiveness, he puts Peter to work. Feed my sheep. Tend my lambs, feed my sheep. But beyond that, after he gives this little lesson about the way Peter is going to be crucified and die, he says, follow me. Follow me. It's in the present tense, which means continual habitual obedience. I want to be a follower of Jesus. In that present tense, it is my habit. It is what I do continually. Is that I serve him and follow him. And so Peter was loved and forgiven and enabled and empowered and changed forever. And briefly, in the intensity of the moment here in John chapter 21, he sees John walking walking up the beach toward them, and he tries to deflect a little of this pressure that he's been under uh, for the last several minutes with Jesus, and says, What about him? And a lot of times when the pressure gets heavy on us, we tend to look around and compare ourselves and say, what about her? What about him? What, what about them? Why is all the pressure on me? Why do you want all this from me? And Jesus says, if I will that he lives until I come again, what is that to you? You follow me. It is never good practice to compare ourselves to others. <laughs> Jesus wants us to follow as only we can follow. He wants to form us just as specifically as he formed Peter. Follow me. Before we go home today, I want to put this in a little more perspective. In the prayer that Jesus prays in Luke's account of the story, when he's telling Peter that he's going to deny him, Simon, Simon, Satan has asked to sift you as wheat. But I have prayed for you, Simon, that your faith may not fail. And listen to the way Jesus phrases it. For He builds in the expectation that Peter will return. And when you have turned back, you will strengthen your brothers. He replied, Lord, I'm ready to go with you to prison or to death. I tell you, Peter, before the rooster crows today, you will deny me and deny that you even know me. But Jesus said, I have prayed for you. And the word is in the plural tense. This isn't just Peter that he's prayed for. The you affected all the disciples that were listening at that time. I have prayed for you. He prays for us. And Romans tells us that he is at the right hand of the Father interceding for us. He didn't just pray for Peter. He prays for us. For Satan wants to sift us like wheat. He wants to destroy us. He wants to shake our faith until we would fall. But he says, I have prayed for you. Satan feels the power of his failure. He would later refer to to Satan as that roaring lion on the prowl always, seeking whom he may devour. And he sought to devour me, but Jesus prayed for me. And so we recognize that his prayer is for us today. The failure was predicted. Jesus did not take away the test, but he prayed for him in the midst of the test. We have faced tests, haven't we? And Jesus prays for us in the midst of those tests. The song that Joe is going to come to sing and the accompanists are going to come with him could have been Peter's song. He looked beyond my fault and saw my need. Aren't you thankful that Jesus sees our sin and forgives our sin and restores us? And while they present this song, I just want to spend a moment at the altar. I want to bow and thank God for his patience with my failure. Maybe you've had a time of testing. Maybe the pandemic has created a distance. And you'd like to just pray for a moment before we pray our benediction this morning. Hear the words. He looked beyond my fault and saw my need. Thanks to the Lord for his forgiveness. from jude is specifically fitting this morning to him who is able to keep you from falling and to present you before his glorious presence without fault and with great joy to the only god our savior be glory majesty power and authority through jesus christ our lord before all ages now and forevermore amen amen go in god's peace